Hour two of the Blitz. Charlie and Sam with you the rest of the way. Live on 105.7 FM, 1340 AM. We are live in your Fan Run Radio app. That's free wherever you get your apps. Additionally, if you want to watch the live feed, the video feed, well, that's over on the Fox Sports Knoxville Twitter. And uh, how about you say we get opening? That's not what I was trying to say. How about you say we get hour two started off with an opening drive? Sam, hit the music. Hit you with a first down here. First down. The attorneys for Live Golf. Our attorneys, part of me, have stated that uh, Live Golf, as it starts its second year, uh, their revenue was virtually zero mm. in 2022. Uh, so, again, they start their season, their second season this year, uh, in Mexico later this month. The circuit is financed by the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Uh, they generated no revenue virtually, according to federal court documents. League's attorneys made the admission in a motion filed with the U.S. District Court for Northern California on Monday. Live Golf has asked uh, U.S. District Court Judge Beth Labson Freeman to deny the PGA Tours motion uh, to leave or for leave to add the Public Investment Fund and its governor, Yasir Al uh, Ramayan, as plaintiffs in the Tours countersuit against Live Golf in which Live Golf interfered with its contact with players. That sounded very complicated uh, to read out loud. I did. Yeah. Moral of the story, they make no money. Basically, yeah, <laughs> basically they were meeting over, they're arguing over who, they're arguing over their lawsuit and the countersuit between the Live and PGA. They're both going to go to court. I don't, I think a whole lot of nothing's going to happen. Yeah, I would, uh, I would But guess. within that lawsuit, it was revealed that, yeah, Live made no money. Um, Monday, PGA's attorney, attorneys, they requested uh, that the conference happen to try to push the 2024 trial date back with the uh, because the Public Investment Fund and the Saudi leader both allegedly failed to comply with discovery and depositions. But uh, the Public Investment Fund Fund spent roughly $784 million bankrolling the circuit's first season, mm. including employee salaries, build-out to tournaments, production costs for broadcasting, uh, social media, and obviously, you know, the big lucrative deals for golfers. And they're really not making any money. I guess that's the whole point, though. Like, it really doesn't matter for right now that they make money because they have infinite money. They're it's not more of a status thing. Still, like, it's it's... Us wanting to own our own golf tour, not us trying to make money off our own golf tour, at least for the time being. Uh, but pretty interesting that literally nothing. No money. Nothing. Second down? Second down. Uh, yesterday, new Broncos head coach Sean Payton was introduced uh, in his press conference. Had a couple things to say. He's not going to be putting up with Russell Wilson's personal staff shenanigans over there in Detroit with his own personal office, his own 
personal QB coach and everything. Sean Payton said, that's foreign to me. That's not going to take place here. I'm unfamiliar with it, but our staff will be here. Our players will be here, and that'll be it. Um, sounds like Sean Payton, you know, coming into a, a little bit of a dumpster fire over there in, in Denver. A team that's lost 10 games in five of the past six years. Um, they're going to have to turn things around, and it seems like the first thing that is in order for business with Sean Payton is getting Russell Wilson's little entourage out of town in Denver. I like the move. I like the move. I think uh, even though Russ's teammates were saying that they, you know, they were saying he's a great teammate and everything, I think it's a little weird that he just kind of had his own, his own little entourage of training staff and nutritionists and things like that in the in the Denver facility outside of the team. So. Sean Payton's not putting up with it. We'll see what they can do over there in Denver. I think that he can. I think Russell's still fixable. I, I think, think he's Sean fixable. Payton can be the guy he looked better him. at the end of the year once they got a new OC in there. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I think they'll figure it out. I think the Broncos will figure it out. Uh, third down. The new Pro Bowl games. Well, they averaged 6.1 million viewers across ESPN and ABC on Sunday afternoon. Pretty good numbers for the debut of the Pro Bowl games. Uh, can, you want to compare that? Well, last year's average 6.3 million, so down a little bit. Um, but that number is still very high. Still very, very high. If you want to compare that to, say, the average viewers for the first two rounds of the NBA playoffs in 2022, well, let's just double that. Yeah, the Pro Bowl games doubling the viewership of the first two rounds of the NBA playoffs. Doubling. Wow. wow. feel like... Football's king. Yeah, every year I think people try to start making the arguments, well, you know, the NFL has social issues and the NFL has the concussion issues and the NFL is just becoming a less watchable product. And the NBA, that's the sport of the future. You know, the NBA... You know, that's the sport that everyone's getting into. They're catching football. They're catching football. I feel like that conversation is pushed like two to five times a year. I remember I got into like a heated argument with somebody like on the ringer at one point that tried to write an article that the NBA was catching football. And it's just like anytime you get that thought, remember that if it's ESPN pushing it, it's because ESPN made a terrible investment with NBA TV rights and they need you to watch it and they need to make it feel more important. <laughs> But just remember, the NBA playoffs have less people watching it than the Pro Bowl. That's wild. Double. That's wild. 3.17 million for the NBA playoffs across the first two rounds. 6.1 million uh, for the Pro Bowl games on a random Sunday afternoon in January or February. To watch Morgan Cox play tic-tac-toe as a long snapper. Yeah. More people watched Morgan Cox <laughs> long snap a ball into a tic-tac-toe board. Then they watched LeBron James. Like fighting for his playoff life. <laughs> <laughs> or like the NFL draft has more people watching it by almost double than the NBA Finals. So again, anytime someone tries to tell you the NBA is catching up, just remind them, hey, more people wanted to sign up to just figure out where 18, 18 to 22-year-olds are going to play next year than to watch the championship of that sport. <laughs> We <laughs> double the amount of people signed up to watch 
a man on a stage read the names of former college athletes <laughs> than like the Bucks and the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. For an NBA championship, which I, I I watch both. So I mean, I like both. You know, I don't want to dock the NBA too much. It is by far the worst of the major sports, but still a major sport and it's still pretty awesome because it's a major sport. Fourth down. Fourth down. Let's get a little weird here. What do you say? Let's go over to college hockey. I was watching this game yesterday. The uh, the bean pot. The bean pot final. First time in seventy years we're gonna get Harvard versus Northeastern. A little a little matchup of the two Boston schools here. From Boston. From Boston. Um, last night Harvard scored one and a half seconds left in overtime to beat Boston College four three. In the semifinal. Let's go, Harvard. Played it. Harvard. Harvard Yad. Pak the in the Harvard Yad. And uh they played at the T D Garden. Pretty cool that they're they're playing those semifinal they, uh, games. They there. celebrate with just a big bowl of chowder. A big bowl of chowder. Is that what the winner of some the bean pot is? Just chowder. I don't know. Chowder and some semi A. <laughs> um Northeastern beat Boston College. So I'm sure this will be a big, a big, big sporting event over there in Boston. First time these guys have played in 70 years. Oh, there's gonna be whenever college hockey's on. Pilsner's drink. Oh yeah. When the Frozen Four is on ESPN, I love watching it personally. I think college hockey is like, like I'm not going out of my way to watch it. I'm not seeing the headline like, oh, they play at seven o'clock. Let me, let me sit down and watch this one. But if I'm just like scrolling my TV, I'm sitting on my couch like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of. Frozen Four action. It's a good time. So we're getting the we're getting the Bean Pot Final. I'll be tuning into that. That should be played in like Fenway Park. What's now. the time again of the the Bean Pot Final? I have no idea. I was saying I have no idea what the time these are played at, but let's see. I don't know if I'll be able to find college hockey on on like the ESPN app here. Nuts. No, it's, it's easy. Is it? You just find it. I don't know, dude. Let's look up uh, Harvard hockey. Maybe that'll. Or just. I mean, yeah, you just can't tease me with this and then not tell me when I can watch. I'm, I'm searching Bean I'm, Pod on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm searching as well. Oh, I see this game-winning goal from Harvard. All right, he's it was pretty uh, sick. skating out the right side of the ice, passes cross crease, buries it far left side, just tucked it in by the post on the stick side. That is a beautiful goal. Got a breakout from behind their own net, actually, with seven seconds left all the way down the ice. Perfectly timed pass, too, to avoid the offside. That was pretty impressive. Amazing it took 70 years, too. Amazing. Uh, it says 7:30 on this on this on this article, but it doesn't even tell you what day. It's also going to be. Uh, I think it's on February 13th. It's also the first Boston and Boston College consolation game. Really? So we're just getting. I mean, there's four Boston schools in the final four there. I think that is. That's what wild. It is. I think the bean pot is just the four Boston schools. Well, this is the Frozen Four, I believe. No. No. No, this is the bean pot. It's like a little one-off they do. It's like a tournament. It's like how the Big Six in uh, Philly okay, does like the Big Six tournament every year with, what, Drexel, St. Joe's, 
Villanova, Temple. Who were the other two? Was it LaSalle? LaSalle is one of them. I'm missing one. Temple? That's a good trivia question. Temple. That's a good trivia Drexel. Question. Villanova, St. Joe's, LaSalle. Who's the sixth? Or is it just five? No, it's definitely six. Definitely six. Villanova, St. They're also, uh, I saw yesterday they're actually redesigning how they do that. How so? Um, Who is that last team? There isn't one. It's the big five. No. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the Philadelphia Big Five. No wonder we couldn't come <laughs> up with it. it. It literally doesn't exist. I don't believe that. It literally does not exist. I feel like it's always six. Yeah. Why would they do an odd number? We need to create another Philadelphia the Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Drexel has not been a part of it. Ah. It's been U-Pin. Ah. Ah. But... They're changing it to the Philly Six. According to a report, I guess this is a report that I saw pop up the other day. According to a January 2023 report by The Athletic, at the start of the 2023-24 season, Drexel will be joining the Big Five. It'll be renamed the Philly Six. And it'll consist of Drexel, LaSalle, LaSalle uh, Penn State. Or, let me start that over. Drexel, <laughs> LaSalle, LaSalle. 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 Penn St. Joseph's Temple and Villanova. The Philly Six sounds so much cooler than the Big Five. Philadelphia's Big Five, but still, the Philly Six like the that Philly sounds, Six sounds awesome. Sounds like like a, a cool like like a cool sandwich. Honestly, can I get a Philly Six? Yeah, give me the uh, Philly Six uh, <laughs> extra mayo. Juice it up. I want it nice and juicy. You no, know I like it. Slop it up. <laughs> get those steaks and pour some water on them. Slop those steaks up. Philly Six. I feel like that more sounds like a, like a pretty good sitcom, but it's on like an A and E. Mm, yeah, it does. It sounds like a it, yeah. Like maybe it's like just, a reality TV show almost. Maybe it's like a group of guys and they're trying to protect the city, but they're not really cops. Okay. Yeah. There's a group of six. six vigilantes. We're just creating. Call TV. up the producer. We're creating TV shows on the opening drive here. Come on. That's a good opening drive. Send us to break. I want to play a game with you, Sam. No Andy, so we can really dive into our Tennessee Titans if we choose. Okay. I bet you weren't expecting to talk Titans on this Tuesday. I, I wasn't, but I'm down. I'm down for any time to tit- talk Titans. Let's play a little uh, keeper cut. Mm, Titans, I like that. Titans in, uh, well, not a good place when it comes to no. their cap room. Not a good place at all, as some would say. Uh, in the negative, they're going to have to clear some people up, clear some people off the books. I'll start with the biggest one of all. Keeper cut, Ryan Tannehill. I've been wrestling with this idea myself for a long, for a while now, making mock drafts. I keep trading Tannehill away. Conveniently enough, a report came out over the weekend. Don't know if you saw this. There were two teams. The report was that there were two teams that had inquired so far about trading up for the number one oh, yeah. pick. Okay. Neither of them, the Colts or the Texans, mm-hmm. one of them 
the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, yeah. And that's what really started get that's what really started getting the wheels turning for me. I'm going to say uh, cut. I'm going to say cut. It was reported by Ben Devine who covers the Bears. So I mean take it for what it's worth, you know. It's not it's not a, a national report, but he reported yeah that the Bears have received offers from two teams for the number 1 overall pick and neither is the Texans or the Colts. One of them was the Titans who have the 11th pick. Yeah. What would we give up for that number one pick, though? Like, you know, what what kind of players would – I feel like they'd want a player, obviously, and, and some picks. I feel like they'd probably want the 11th, next year's first, and probably another pick in, like, the second or third round, and then probably, like, another later pick. Would you send them, like, a player just to send less picks? I don't really know, like, what player would necessarily – be included in that like Taylor one could you send him Taylor Luan potentially potentially 11 I mean, Taylor Luan and a couple other things maybe I, I could see that I don't know I don't know I, I don't want us to trade up to number one I don't really like any of these quarterbacks I don't like Bryce Young I don't like CJ Stroud I especially don't like Will Levis and I'm not a fan of Anthony Richardson either I don't I don't like many of the I like Bryce Young I feel like Bryce Young is just but five I wouldn't, ten. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade five up nine. from eleven to get him. Like if I was one, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm taking Bryce Young, but I'm not Right. I'm not leveraging like the future of my team for a yeah, for a certified yeah, midget. We, we were talking about this a little bit in like a, a group me that we were in and someone brought up a good point. If you do believe that one of those quarterbacks is the guy, which at this point, if you're Rand Carthen and if you're the Titans front office, you have a responsibility to do the due diligence on these top quarterbacks, mm-hmm. given the spot you're at as a franchise. So you're going to do your due, due diligence. You're going to scout them. You're going to probably aggressively scout them and really dive into those quarterbacks. If you truly believe one of those guys is the guy, which is surely possible. I mean, evaluating quarterbacks is incredibly difficult. So, like, I... I'm not going to be too angry if we make that move because you know they have access to so much more than we do in terms of the scouting process. But if you decide one of those guys is the guy, then yeah, it does make a ton of sense to trade up to one to get him because not only obviously do you draft the guy, you know, your franchise quarterback, a guy that you believe in, but you prevent You're both the Colts division. and the Texans yeah. from drafting him and you keep him out of your division. So yeah. I think. I think the Titans are actually in an interesting predicament when it comes to quarterbacks because they're going to scout them, and if they fall in love with one, well, too bad because more than likely they're going to wind up in the AFC South. So that that puts the Titans in a weird spot. So um, now that we kind of guess talked about that a little bit further, back to the original question: keep or cut Ryan Tannehill? I think I'm cutting him, and. It's either for the fact that you're trading up this year, or I think it's like it's hard. It's hard to say that a, a Vrabel team will not exactly tank, but it's hard for me to keep Tannehill on your. You obviously know that his years are coming to an end. He doesn't have a whole lot left in him. Probably, you need to be looking for a quarterback of the future. Malik Willis probably is not that. But are you going to, if you keep Tannehill around, are you going to be a bad enough team necessarily to go get one of those quarterbacks in like next year's draft? If you're looking to go through the draft type of thing. I may, I think that maybe 
cutting him frees up obviously a lot of money for you, but obvious and it could help maybe just kind of jumpstart that that little not rebuild, but just like a retool, I guess, that you're trying to go after here. I don't know. It's a tough question, though. So the Tennessee Titans, right? The Titans are going to need a rebuild. Or, you know, not a rebuild. They're going to need a new quarterback. Sorry, I I don't know where rebuild came from. But they're going to need a new quarterback in the next two years. Yeah. Be it this year or be it next year, the Titans will need a new quarterback. You know, if, if Ryan Tannehill's the starter this year, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But that is... Without a doubt, 100% the final year of Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Malik Willis is in your system. You know, we saw – I think we saw him develop ever so slightly last year. Like, I think we saw him do some things better towards the end than he did at the beginning last year. But he was never supposed to play, and even at the beginning it was still really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really, really bad. He looked like he was entirely uncomfortable and just didn't really have a good feel for the game. And I think that might be the hardest thing to coach too. So I I don't really believe in Malik Willis, which you know it is what it is. You took a third round quarterback with traits. I think people got way too excited about it at the beginning. I tried to tell people from the start like, "Hey, third round quarterbacks start a game for a team like 11% of the time or less." Malik Willis actually did that. So I mean, he even accomplished that 11% and it becomes even harder for you to actually then you know, be good enough to keep that starting job. I just don't think Malik Willis is the answer. However, you know, unless it's trading for Trey Lance, which I don't really know how I'd feel about that either. I don't know if I like that, yeah. Yeah, if it's unless it's him, I think Ryan Tannehill should be your quarterback. Because, again, mm-hmm. I don't love any of these quarterbacks. I think, really, you're at a spot where you continue to try to add more to this roster around the quarterback position, uh, continue to kind of tweak this roster and run it back one more time with this older core. Because for what it's worth, at one point last year with a terrible offensive coordinator, with an even worse offensive line, with a poorly built roster in some regards, you were 7-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Then more than 50% of your roster ended up on the injured reserve. You know, you lose seven straight to end the season. You finish 7-10. and 10. It is what it is. We, we know what happened. Uh, it's still haunting, but it is what it is. So... There's got to be, you know, I bet Mike Vrabel believes this too, but I think there's got to be some belief in the Titans organization that, you know, if you can actually get that core together, if you can bolster the offensive line, if you can maybe add another weapon on the outside, maybe get another, you know, another piece in the secondary to help you out, you get that back together with that core that you had a year ago before they got hurt, plus you had Harold Landry back into the fold. You can be right back at the top of the AFC South. Heck, you can be right back towards the top of the AFC. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're at a disadvantage once you get to the playoffs because you're going to be playing your Joe Burrows and your Josh Allens and your Patrick Mahomes, and you're going to be Derrick Henry in a great defense. But I still think you kind of make one more run at it. So I'm going to go with keep on Ryan Tannehill. Bud Dupree, cut or keep? Can we restructure? I'll, I'll allow it. I'll take a restructure. A restructure? Mm-hmm. I don't want to cut Bud Dupree, but I certainly do not enjoy what we are paying him right now. Um. But yeah, if I can, if I can get Dupree on like a on a different deal, you know, mix things up a little bit, maybe not be paying him 
whatever it is, right? Like twenty million a year or something like that. I think he's on. Um, yeah, I, I think that Dupree's one of those guys on our defense where he doesn't his production necessarily doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but when when our D line is is fully healthy and and you have guys like Dupree, Landry, Simmons, Autry out there, like when all four of those guys are are working together in unison, I think it's it's the best you know, D-line front that you have in the league, I think. So I would like to keep one of those guys there, but I also can see the cut because you got you got guys like uh, Rashad Weaver. You, you know, you could draft someone this year if you, if you really want to get cheaper there. But I would restructure Dupree. I don't know if I would necessarily cut him right now. Yeah, I'm cutting Dupree. It's not really that much of a question for me. Like, I like Bud Dupree. I had high hopes for that signing, but really all he's done is is give you moderate production and limited availability. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you combine moderate production with limited availability, that's not worth the price tag. And I don't even think it's worth trying to restructure. I think that's just a situation where, hey, you got Harold Landry coming back, you still got, you know, two beasts in the middle, right? With both Tierra Tart and Jeffrey Simmons. Obviously Big Jeff, a whole different level of beast, but Tierra Tart too. You can fill in that side opposite with a cheaper option, with uh, depth that you already have. I mean, Bud Dupree helped create pressure and helped create pressure for others and like helped clean up things. But he gave you the production that you is, you know, reserved for a guy like a Rashad Weaver or like like an Ole Adinye before he got hurt. Like he mm-hmm. was not giving you Bud Dupree levels of production. So I think that you know you can roll with a Weaver. And you can roll with an Adinye and, and Danico Autry out there too, and, and maybe you draft another piece to add. Demarcus Walker. You're going to have to find cap space, and I think that that's one of those cap casualties. Next up, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, Cutter Keep. Cut. 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 Wish he was already cut. Me too. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, what, like, I, what yeah. are we? What are we doing? Let's just free up like thirteen million right now. His price is way too high. You need to cut him. <laughs> yeah, get him out of here. Yeah, get yeah. him out of here. I, it, it was a good idea. Not really. I still stand by the fact that the AJ Brown trade in itself was not actually that terrible of a trade. I still stand by the fact that the terrible aspect of that trade was how John Robinson and company went about replacing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Traylon Burks, that's a great pick. I love Traylon Burks, and I still have a lot of faith in him moving forward. But if you think that you can roll with a rookie wide receiver and Robert Woods and, and get the kind of production you want, I've never, ever in my life been a fan of Robert Woods. I think that he is consistently an overrated wide receiver that had a couple of you know of good years in an incredibly favorable high volume offense in LA, uh, but he's not explosive. He does not separate. His release is not great. And you asked him to really be a wide receiver one, and that was really something that he was just not up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, cut Robert Woods, get him out of there, draft another receiver in the first three rounds, and pair him with Traylon Burks and bring in a vet too. Yeah. Go sign a DJ Shark. Go yeah. sign, you know, somebody of that nature that's cheaper than Woods by a little bit, but honestly, probably more productive or at least as productive. I'm I'm all the way out on Robert Woods. Um, the only redeeming quality, well, he has a couple. 
three redeeming qualities I'll give Robert Woods. A, great blocker. That man can block. <laughs> B, think Robert Woods is a pretty good guy. I think yeah, he's I was a good say, guy good to person. have around. <laughs> I think that everyone seemed to enjoy him. I think he, he possessed some leadership qualities for a younger receiver room. And three, the last redeeming quality of Robert Woods is it's it's pretty fun to say Bobby Trees. Yeah, yeah. Those are the three things that Robert Woods has going for him, but none of them are being a good NFL wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, or at least good enough for what he was being asked to do or what he was paid to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm all I'm all for just rebuilding that wide receiver room around Traylon and and really just rebuilding your pass catchers and what that group looks like around the skill sets of both Traylon and Chig and Conquu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think those two. Possess unique skill sets, but I think that they, you know, you need to kind of build your receiving room around them now. Like you need to pair guys with them that, I guess, kind of mix and mash and mesh with their game. I, I think people overlook how important wide receivers twos are in, in the NFL this at this point. You know, a lot of the best units have had strong wide receiver twos. I think the Titans need that. They also think they can maybe just use some speed from the inside. Last one to wrap up, cut or keep. Taylor Lewan. Uh Yeah, cut. He's going to retire, I think. You um, think he's going to retire? I think he's going to retire. He seems pretty out of football right now. Um, He's kind of been, like, he's been going on, on bussing and everything, like all of his platforms, and he's kind of been... I wouldn't say like dragging the Titans through the dirt, but like he's been letting his opinions known on the Titans. So I think he knows he's definitely not a Titan anymore. And he's kind of talking like he's making a lot of those generalizations about other teams in the NFL too. So as a guy that is up for a cut and then, you know, maybe potentially getting signed on like a vet men to a, on a, on a different team, it doesn't seem like the most responsible thing as like a potential free agent to go be talking about other teams and saying like, Oh, I don't think they have a great O line or whatever and saying all this stuff. So I don't think I don't think Lewan is a Titan and I don't think he's playing football anymore. I think he's done. What I would do and what I think happens are different. I agree with you. I don't think that Taylor Lewan is a Titan next year. I think he is retired. Yeah. Like I, for him, I think it's Nashville or nothing, and I think mm-hmm. he's gotten to the point. He's always talked about it. He does not want to go out being uh, the bad, yeah, the like bad, the guy, being who's, the guy that played too long, and he yeah. already might be on the verge of being the guy that played too long, given multiple, you know, ACL injuries. I don't know if he loves football enough to like come back from two ACLs and then uh, go yeah, to a different team. I think team. that he's at the point where like he wants to retire gracefully, and he's yeah. got an amazing opportunity with like busting with the boys and, and the media that he's built. You're seeing him more and more. You see him on a college football playoff broadcast. Right. You know, you see him um, doing a lot more stuff with Barstool lately. He's he's leaning in the media a lot more. He's with them in Glendale right now, mm-hmm. doing radio row all for the of Super the Barstool yeah. sports stuff. Yeah. And I think he's even opening up uh, like a bar or a restaurant. He's opening up some sort of business in Arizona, too. I think that that's probably more likely. If I'm the Titans, though, there's such a shortage of tackles in the NFL. Yeah, I would take him on a one-year vet man if he wants to. I mean, even at $14 million that you owe him right now, there are other teams that would gladly sign up to pay him that because you don't have better options. There are not enough tackles as there are NFL teams right now. There are not 32 
quality left tackles. They're not 32 left tackles that even deserve to start. But mm-hmm. guess what? There's going to be Staley probably does. next year, you know, 45 <laughs> that do. Yeah. No, if, if Taylor Lamont wants to play happens. football in Tennessee, so, I'll I'll take him on a vet man. What I'm doing is I'm I'm restructuring. If I yeah. can, I'm saying, hey, Mr. Lawan, Taylor, uh, I know you had your fun with your big contract and your boss hog outfit, and we love you, and we've loved having you, but can you do it for seven million? Mm-hmm. Seven and a half. For one more year. One more year. Let's and draft a left tackle one more and let year, him run under the I think that kind of even fits the one more year of Henry, one more year of Ryan Tannehill. One more year of this core, giving it a one last shot. Mm-hmm. I think that you can sell that. I you think could probably you convince can, him that. I think yeah. that you can get him to restructure. I think that that's that's what I do. I think that's fair. I would do that too. I just don't think he's going to want to restructure. Maybe, but I'm taking it if he wants to. As a man who's probably he's made eighty million dollars and now he's probably making a good amount with his podcast and everything. He's got like two kids, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't know. I, I could see him. Got I'll take him back. Cup. I'll take him back on a one-year deal, on a on a cheap deal for sure. But I feel like he's gone. I just have a feeling, man. He he's just gonna run it back one one more time. I hope. I really hope too. Because really he's like to. a he's a big locker room piece for us. I mean, he's yeah. the longest tenured Titan we have now, right? Now that Brett Kern's gone. Can we bring Brett Kern back too? I'm so sad. He's gonna win a Super if Bowl. If he ring. does win a Super Bowl, I'm 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 gonna harm myself. Not actually. Just kidding. That was a joke, but I'm going to be really upset <laughs> to watch him win a Super Bowl. It's going to crush me. That's why the Ch- – I mean, but the Chiefs are winning by two touchdowns, so we're straight. We're straight. You're right. Um, all right. Good to mix in a little Titans talk randomly on February 7th. Love getting to do that. I'm sure you guys love <laughs> I'm like love talking to too. Titans on – I was expecting to talk about the Titans on Super Bowl week, but not in this fashion. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> a little cut or keep for you. A little Tuesday <laughs> afternoon action. We'll out. Uh, We'll hop over into a brief college basketball segment on the other side. Stay with us here on the Blitz. All this Titans talk has got me reminded reminded me a little bit like, are we going to hire an offensive coordinator? It's kind of been a minute. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) We just going to, we just let Vrabes call the, call the offense for the first time ever in his career. What do you think? I don't even know what he'd run. What is the priority like, cause don't you, wouldn't you assume that like, I would kind of probably want to hire an offensive coordinator, like before all my draft stuff gets going. He, I, I mean, would, like if you're getting a whole new philosophy in, you know, like you might need some different personnel. Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, it well, I mean, the draft simple. stuff has been going on, obviously That's yeah, never a lot longer, like, you know, you just had the senior bowl, so it's ramping up. Right. Yeah. I think. Especially, that's what I'm saying. I think like, you would have liked to have known even going down to the Senior Bowl. If yeah. you're, you know, if there's going to be I, that, which I think, I guess, is a pretty distinct signal that there's not going to be a massive shift in ideology, which probably I kind of agree. Like, I don't think the Titans need a massive shift in ideology. I think that, you know, they could be choose to be a little bit more aggressive. I think that they could maybe air it out a little bit more. But I don't think what's hol- holding the Titans back has been like, their ideology like I, I think I don't think you have to have yeah I guess we're just, we're not getting to college basketball today after all we're diving into this now <laughs> um, I don't think you have to have like a, an elite quarterback I don't think you have to have one of the three or four best I just think that you're more likely to have I, I think you're more likely to win it with you have one of those best quarterbacks but I think there's other ways to do it too 
Uh, and I think that too many teams like chase getting that elite quarterback and they continue to use resources to chase that elite quarterback. And then the rest of their roster suffers. And then from there, either the quarterbacks bust or the quarterbacks don't have enough talent around them. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of teams actually hurt themselves chasing quarterbacks rather than, you know, there, there are other ways to do it. You can build an elite roster around the quarterback position and then get one of those quarterbacks that's in that, you know, the, the middle tier and I think you can win that way. I think the Titans can do that. Like, I don't think they have to go this year draft a stud quarterback and completely change the way they do everything. Now, obviously, once you get that roster in place, the next step to continue to be successful is to get a quarterback on a rookie contract. I think that's really the biggest key right now in the NFL is a rookie contract quarterback that you can surround with talent that you can actually pay for. Um, but I think really the Titans, you look at – the offense, at one point they were the number one offense in the NFL with Ryan Tannehill, with Derrick Henry, with Mike Vrabel. Last two years, that's greatly deteriorated. Part of it, Todd Downing, I think, is is a much worse play caller within that ideology, within that type of football than, than Arthur Smith was. But I think part of it, and really the biggest reason the Titans' offense fell off was not their refusal to modernize their offense, so to speak. It was not Ryan Tannehill. It was not Todd Downing. It was a complete failure to to build an offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 not that this style of football won't work. It's that this style of football won't work without an elite offensive line, or at least a very good one. Titans had that number one offense in football. Titans lose that. Everything falls apart. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, when you look at a new offensive coordinator and you don't have to change your ideology all that much as long as you rebuild that offensive line, which I hope that you re-sign Nate Davis for one, but mm-hmm. I, I would rather use pick 11 on an offensive tackle potentially. Really what I would want to do is trade back. I want to trade back as well. More than I anything, I want to trade back. Yeah. You know, you can, you can trade back at that point. You can get into like the 20s. I think there you could draft a tackle like uh, like a Dewan Jones, for example, or even Broderick. Bro, what? Broderick. Uh, Broderick Jones. Jones. Yeah, Jones. Georgia. I was going like, to say is I it Jones he, or James. I think he's more so like an eleven type pick. But I think you can move back and into the late first. You could take one of those top receivers there to pair with Traylon Burks, and then you're going to have the eleventh pick of the second round plus whatever else you get trading back from eleven. 11th pick in the second round, take Darnell Wright. That's the best tackle in the draft, in my opinion. And that's not coming from a place of Tennessee bias. You know, obviously, yes, I am a Tennessee fan first, but I evaluate prospects, like, for a hobby quite frequently. And it's not like I'm going to – I'm not going to tell you that Jalen Hyatt's the best receiver or Cedric Tillman. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, Byron Young's the best defensive end. I'm not going to tell you that Jeremy Banks is the best middle linebacker or, you know, that their stock is crazy high. But I'll tell you right now, I legitimately believe that Darnell Wright is the best tackle in the NFL draft. Trade back, get a receiver, get Darnell Wright, have an extra pick in the top two and you know, in the top couple of rounds too, and, and see what you can grab there. That's what I want to do. But in terms of searching for an offensive coordinator, I think given that you don't have one already is a pretty clear indicator that you're not going to change a whole lot mm-hmm. in the I in, in, in the way in which you play football. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Would you be kicking uh, Petit Friere to left tackle then at that point? 
Or do you think you could draft two tackles and slide free air to guard? I don't really know. Ex- I mean, that's that's tough. I think he played guard at Ohio State a little bit, didn't he? They, a lot of people wanted to project him as a guard because he has short arms and he was a little bit of a tweener prospect. Mm-hmm. I think he can. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if he play, actually did play guard or not. I, can't so I think he might have. Either, either way, he played I guard think, or he played both tackle positions. I'd be down to slide him inside. Uh, I guess it depends on like can Darnell Wright play left tackle? I don't know. I would honestly, I'd. Well, that's what I'm saying. Keep Darnell Wright at right tackle, but move uh, Keith Freer somewhere Freer else. Keith play left tackle. I don't, I don't know. know either. I still would like maybe, saying, maybe be interested guard. in Dylan Raidens for a year at left tackle. Like maybe you move him out there, Darnell at right, kick NPF inside, or use NPF as your swing tackle. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's not going to be easy. You're going to have a lot of questions to answer with the rebuild of your offensive line, but that is more important to me for the future of your offense than any personnel decisions. I agree. Or, I mean, staff decisions. I agree. I mean, when we were the number one offense, like you're saying, I think our offensive line was ranked like sixth or eighth in the yeah, NFL yeah, maybe. Yeah, and Saffold and Ben Jones. We're 30th and, now. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. Catch a break here. I hope you guys enjoyed some Tuesday Titans talk. Best bet to wrap up the show on the other side. Interesting show today, really, all things considered. Yeah, very, very. We talked about the Titans. We talked about the Philly Six. We drafted some animals. (laughs) Bean Pot Hockey Classic, multiple segments of Tennessee Titans talk. Interesting show. This is what happens if, if you're still listening, Andy, when you leave us to our own devices. We ended up talking about the Titans for a couple hours. Or you just not, never know not what you're Not a couple getting. hours, a couple segments. <laughs> we could go for a couple hours. Yeah, sure. well, let's kick talk sports off the air and just keep talking Titans for like three more hours. <laughs> a full roster breakdown. Keeper well, cut, 53-man roster edition. Keeper cut. <laughs> Corey Levin. Do you keep him as your maybe fourth the, offensive lineman? Hey. Your depth practice squad center? Maybe the future of our else? center. <laughs> what if Ben Jones just doesn't retire? I don't know if he is. I feel like he, I, I think everyone kind of thought he was going to. I read some like Titans article that they posted at the Pro Bowl, and he seemed like he was, he was like, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. That's it, what it, it seemed like, like too. That. That's yeah. what I was kind of getting at at the Pro Bowl. He seemed like a guy that's not done playing football. Best bet to wrap up that would really help everything. That would that would help a lot. A lot. If you could have a Ben lot. Jones, Nate Davis. If we got to resign Nate Davis. Mm-hmm. If we don't resign Nate Davis, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, we Especially, need like I an just entirely got his jersey new. For Christmas. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> that's a tough one. That would be tough. <laughs> that would be tough. Uh, best bet to wrap up the show. Um, I'm got seeing a lot of ranked on ranked matchups tonight too. Yeah, we do. And I'm gonna I'm gonna choose one that's just not. And I'm gonna. This is going to be like a new experiment for me. I think I'm going to take the spread of whoever Louisville is playing against. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus 15 and a half tonight. This was, uh, that was very lucrative for about a month and a half. Really? Yeah. Okay. I would auto bet against Florida State and against Louisville for a while, and it was pretty lucrative for a while. I'm going to keep I'm gonna try it. it caught up. So I hope it works for you. Pitt's playing pretty good basketball right now, too. So Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm looking at a top 25 matchup for my best bet today. Um, 
Connecticut should not still be ranked. No. They're 5-6 and six in the Big East, or I guess now they're 6-6. Six and six. They won Saturday, but they're 500 in the Big East. They've not been playing good basketball. They barely skated past Georgetown on the road this weekend. Marquette's coming to town. Marquette's a legitimate top-10 team. Legitimate, very good basketball team. They've been playing a, you know, a style that's really worked for them. Shock at Smart's got them playing basically like some controlled chaos. They're getting great shots. They're getting great looks. I think they're going to go on the road and beat UConn tonight, but they're a five-point underdog. Look, I know it's hard to win on the road in college basketball. I know UConn's a tough place to go on the road and win, but I really like this Marquette team. They've gone on the road and won earlier this year. I think they're going to go on the road and beat UConn tonight, but I'll at least take that spread plus five. That's my best bet for tonight. Marquette plus five. I like Rutgers, too. I was going to tell you I like Indiana. Really? That would Yeah, if honorary mention best bet is Indiana minus four. It's gonna be a good night of hoops, though. I'm excited to watch it. We'll uh, we'll surely we'll surely get into hoops tomorrow for a good lengthy portion. We'll be back here tomorrow. Andy will be back as well. But uh, for today, for Sam Beard, I'm Charlie Collier. Appreciate you guys listening as always. Hope you have a great rest of your day. John Reed, Talk Sports, Cody McClure, all of them. They're up next. Stay locked in on Family Radio.